welcome to another episode of Fans in Motion. As my uh, partner in crime, who is not here, would sometimes say or always say, the podcast you didn't know you needed. Joining me today is someone that you may not know the face, but you may know the voice. He's got shows on uh, the Hair Nation and Ozzy's Boneyard and... If you're really into that, you know, headbanging stuff uh, on the uh, Turbo Station, the man, the myth, the legend is joining me today, Mr. Mark Striegel. Mark, thanks to uh, thanks for joining the Ultimate Night Ranger podcast, Fans in Motion. Well, thanks for having me, Josh, and it was a, a pleasure to meet you at the the Party Gras show in Indiana, and you and you got some great pictures of me. Those ones you got of me and and Brett just you know what do you call yeah. them they, they they weren't staged they were yeah, uh, you like know, uh, casual maybe I don't... yeah th those were great those were yeah. great yeah i just uh thank you saw you standing you know just walking around you never knew who you run into back here i turned the corner and there's old mark and brett michaels uh swapping lies and um okay. i snapped a few quick picks and uh there you go i think i got some good ones of you and uh Mr. Jack Blades of Night Ranger as well. Absolutely. And what an honor to meet that guy. I mean, just not only legendary singer and, and bassist, but I mean, the songwriting. I mean, just just insane, you know, what what he, he has done, you know. And he reminded me when I when I when I was talking with him that, that he had even written a song with Ozzy Osbourne. I, I had totally mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I want to say I forgot that, but honestly, I hadn't even known that. And I, I should because I'm the guy on Ozzy's Boneyard. But well, yeah, I tell you, what, I will send you a link. We have an episode probably a couple years old now where we go through like all his songwriting credits outside of Night Ranger. And you're right. right he did have it was during the uh, Osmosis record. OK, yes. Um, none of the tracks made that record. They were all. um like Bonus. Uh, yeah, yeah you know i remember like in europe they would have the maxi cd and yeah. it, would, it would be thin case and have whatever single it is usually an edit of it and then an unreleased track they are there i think there's two songs and they're both off of you know from that but if you read the comments i always read the comments on youtube of uh you know like aussie fans and just see what they say yeah and these are both tracks are like big favorites in that Aussie community, you know, where I wish these would have made the, the record and stuff like yeah. that. And I wish they would have did too. Cause you know, when they came out, I was a teenager with limited cash and yeah, I wasn't right. able to get, to get those, but um, yeah, I mean um, just to throw one out there is like, he wrote a song with the Nixons. You remember the Nixons? I remember the like, name. I, I couldn't tell you what they, uh, they had that big song what, in like 95. Hell, I can't remember it either, but, uh, sister okay like that sister i miss you or something anyways right. yeah like you know there's a like how and you still need to ask him how the hell did that but you know you got like the alice cooper um you know tracks from last temptation and uh uh the aerosmith greatest hits uh big ones uh right there's two new tracks one of them called walk on water and that was blades and shawl and um the uh the uh you know tyler and uh joe perry wow and, uh, so uh tons of little songs out there but yeah he's uh especially back in those early nine those early to mid 90s i mean he was tommy shaw and him are writing you know for a lot of people vince neal and yeah 
you know, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was great meeting you and, uh, and your wife and, uh, out there and, uh, having some great conversations and, uh, absolutely likewise uh, and getting, you know, like I said, some great, great photos of you. And I was, I was glad he's able to, uh, join us today. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, familiar with, with you just from the, you know, the hair, well, probably more like Ozzy's Boneyard, um, yeah. you know, listening, um, to that. Um, so, you know, I, I always, is it and it's obviously a great place to start. Where were you born and raised? Where did all this start? Well, that's always a tough question for me because I, I, uh, I was, born in in buffalo new york but but i moved around pretty consistently so uh, i i've i've lived in 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 new jersey probably more than any other state throughout my 50 some years but i i have a, a strong connection to the midwest because i went to junior high in in the milwaukee suburbs and high school in the chicago suburbs so that was a, a real important um, place in, 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 as far as my upbringing goes and as far as my experiencing music. And, and I, I really feel when, when you study hard rock and, and heavy metal music in, in the early 1980s, those, those cities, what do you call them? Like Rust Belt cities? I, I don't know. Yeah. Th those were extremely important places for um hard hard rock more so in a lot of ways as far as the fan base goes then and i mean people people on on the coast would probably are going to get mad when i say this but because of the you know the the radio stations especially in in new york they were a little more snobby you know they they didn't they didn't play ozzy Diary of a Madman uh, or or Blizzard of Oz quite as frequently as they were on the, you know, QFM in in Milwaukee at that time, and those those were such important days uh, in the development of of so many different careers, probably from Night Ranger to to uh, you know Ozzy Osbourne and and all those other acts that were touring Maiden. I mean, they 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 the kind of the secondary cities places like fort wayne indiana yep. th those were just massive metal towns and when i say metal i'm talking about uh, you know the the 1981 version of what that form of music was uh so so i i i feel uh grateful that that i did get to move around a lot um you know which was tough as a kid but I, I got to experience some some really great different radio stations throughout the country. You know, I, I, I so I, I lived in Buffalo, then I lived in New Jersey, then I lived in Milwaukee, Chicago. Where uh, uh, where at where at in Buffalo, Chickatawaga, Tonawanda. All right. Any yeah. any chance I get to say Chickatawaga? Uh, Chica, oh, I've kind of <laughs> <pronounced> it, <laughs> yeah. but I'll, yeah. I I will take. And you're in good uh, you're in good company in Buffalo. Rick James and uh, Ronnie James yes. Dio, both either from there or I know Ronnie James Dio. I think went to college there. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think he did go to college there. He he was from a little little bit further uh, east. I think more the well. I, I always Rochester tell, area. I right? always I think he was from Connecticut, just for the f fact that. 
you know, I always imagined like Ronnie James Dio being like born and raised and still living like in a castle in England, like carrying around right. a torch all the time. And then yeah. like somewhere in a rock magazine, I found out he was, you know, Connecticut. And yeah, I'm like, that can't be right. Like, no, right. he lives in a castle in England carrying around a torch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that is, uh, you know, that that does, you know, being in these different places, you know, does, you know, give you a good, good different ingredients, right? For, you know, a recipe of, you know, getting all this, you know, hard rock music. Obviously, you got, you know, Buffalo, you might be a little bit too young, but, you know, Jersey, I'm sure what when you're eight you're you're issued a probably a springsteen album or you know something like that and um and then in, in um you know milwaukee chicago uh you know like you said that rust belt and especially what you said about the radio stations um it, you know you had the radio station in cleveland i don't know which one it was i'm sure other people will you know that station is kind of what broke sister christian and you had you know right. the, the radio station in indiana you know the kiss army where you know play kiss and um yeah michigan actually but yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean and, kiss kiss was i mean this this was the 70s but kiss was an amazing story because here was this new york band that was kind of shunned by the cool hipsters in new york you know the and they they kind of break in in detroit and the surrounding suburbs before they did in the city they're from you know that mm -hmm. was the place that that first initially embraced them and and you know they they broke worldwide when when the alive album came <laughs> out but they broke in detroit with dress to kill because rock and roll all night the the studio of ver version of that was was on on whatever the the big fm rock station was they picked that up there and and uh and that really just you know gave them uh so much more popularity in that one specific town or or city and that's how it was back in those days you know it wasn't like you had different uh big big uh con conglomerates controlling mm -hmm. tons of different radio stations there was a there was i mean I, you mentioned buffalo i used to go I, when i lived in new jersey i used to go visit my my grandparents in Buffalo every summer and would stay there for like a week. And I would turn on the local FM rock station when I was there. And I would hear songs on, on that FM station by like Van Halen. Like I remember uh, everybody wants some the first time I ever heard that. And it had been out probably a couple of years at that point was on a FM radio station in Buffalo when I was on vacation there visiting my grandparents. And that was never played on, on the stations in, in Chicago, where I probably lived at that, at that time. So you got, you got different, um, different scenes and different uh, things happening. And I think the internet kind of killed, you know, because FM radio doesn't have the power that, that it used to. And, and, Things are, uh, you know, the the world got a lot smaller with 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 the world wide web, if you will. But, but yeah, it was an amazing time to to grow up and experience music, and you know, it's something I, I wouldn't wouldn't trade for anything. Mm -hmm. What when you so like when you're 13 years old? What if you went to, you know, Mark Striegel's cassette, you know, cassette tapes or vinyl? what what were your go-tos you know when you were just coming of age 
hence the uh, Jack Blades pun there. Right. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, when I was 13, that see, see, what's interesting is I, I got into Kiss when I was in the sing, single digits. Okay. But when I was 13, suddenly Kiss was not cool anymore. I, I, I still had all my Kiss records, but I'd kind of push them to the back of the stack, you know. Um, and it, when I was 13, uh, boy, I, at that point, that was the beginning of really getting it, you know, because I went from Kiss to to Led Zeppelin and Styx, and uh, I was into Leonard Skinner for a while. But at 13, that's where the floodgates just were opening because that's, you know, Metal Health by Quiet Riot came out when I was 13. Uh, I, I was Screaming for Vengeance by Judas Priest was an enormous album for me. The first two Ozzy solo albums. I didn't know anything about Black Sabbath, you know, but it was it, I got into Ozzy with those those solo albums. It was years later that I, I was like, oh, that band he had before he was Ozzy Osbourne, you know, so um, those were really big ones when I was 13, right around that. I guess right around that time I got into Maiden too because I got uh I got I got the Peace of Mind album for for Christmas that year. I may have just turned 14. But but yeah, what what an incredible time for for music because I mean 1983 which is when I was 13 in my personal opinion it was one of the greatest years for music. Not just hard rock. Mm. I mean you look at all the stuff that came out that 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 year i mean it's just it's it's truly uh mind-boggling and that was an amazing time absolutely i mean you had bark the moon ozzy came out in 83 um so that was definitely yeah, had, one that was and I, well i think peace of mind like you said and you had the priest right. albums and um uh kiss you know lick it up the first on you know unmasked record i mean that was kind of hyped up a little bit and, yes yeah um there's a record that's where kiss me. became cool again by the way yeah. that's where like like they they somehow were able to pivot and even though creatures of the night was probably a better album it was with lick it up where they took the makeup off which i think kept them associated to the previous decade which was so uncool you know 1983 there was nothing less less on you know there was nothing that was quite as uncool as the 1970s you know bell bottoms and and denim and stuff you know so it was like it, it was like they 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 pivoted they did the pivot and they suddenly were an 80s hard rock heavy metal band you know and and that that was something that that i think really kept them alive during that period um yeah definitely. but yeah man what an what an incredible time for for music so much great stuff came out what was your uh what was your first you know rock concert or concert that you uh you went to and what city i mean you moved around so much what city yeah. was it in yeah the first i mean i saw when i was a little kid i saw chuck mangione which was not rock you know more like mm. jazzy pop fusion or something my parents were in them but when i my my first quote unquote true rock concert was was motley crew at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. And it was kind of like a double bill thing. It was uh, Saxon and Motley Crue. Motley Crue were the were the final act of the evening. And then they had another band called Heavy Penton. I don't know if you remember them. I've heard of them, but the I don't night. know. Yeah, they, they were like an 80s hard rock band. I believe English that Brian May of Queen had, I think he produced them or something. Um, 
but but yeah yeah that that so that was my first concert and that that was life altering too that would have been that was like april maybe of 84 maybe march and i remember going in there as uh you know and i i, I still had you know the the alligator on my shirt i was very preppy you know and i and and i stuck out like a sore thumb i was with my mom and two two friends and I came out of there and that was like one of those moments I was like, I don't want to dress like this anymore. I want to dress like the people at that show, you know? Yeah. And, and so, and from that point on, I got rid of the, the eyes on shirts and, <laughs> and it was like concert t-shirts every single day, you know? And, and, and that, that went on, it still goes on pretty much to this day. Not, not every, not every single day, but yeah. So, you know, through high school, you know, when you're, you're getting ready to graduate or whatever, did you have like a direction where you knew like where you wanted to go or was it, did you have like, okay, I'm going to go to school for this, but I really want to do this and I'm going to try to make that happen. What were your plans out of, you know, high school? You know, did you have, did you want to go in the music business? Were you playing an instrument and you were going to be a rock star or were you going to go to med school and play bands on the side like jack blades did for a while right uh yeah no I, my plan was i wanted to be a rock star yeah i, I mean who who wouldn't right and I, I had started playing guitar and and uh got to be pretty good i mean i made my high school jazz band so i had i had some minor jazz chops um and i i, I my plan was to go to los angeles out to the sunset strip i mean i graduated in 87 so i probably would have been slightly late to the game getting there but not too too late um my parents weren't going to support that they said you have to go to college so i was in ended up uh, getting into berkeley college of music in boston so i ended up you know the the opposite of sunny nice weather <laughs> la in in freezing cold boston uh at, at berkeley uh, but that was great i i got i i learned a ton about about music started to learn a little bit about the music business um I I didn't graduate there. I, I ended up leaving there uh, and went to community college because meanwhile, my parents were now living in, in New Jersey. And, and you know, I, I, I was a bit of a hustler. So I, I was working, I was teaching guitar lessons. I was working in a record store. That, that's the one thing I, I always had installed in me was this drive to to always be working and and i think you know i grew up with dyslexia and i think part of the 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 whole drive in me came from knowing that okay you you, you better be you better be a mover a shaker and a hustler because you don't really have the book smarts to back up <laughs> you know being an accountant or or uh you know a, a teacher or something so i was always i was always you know, trying to meet people. And, and here I was now living in New Jersey and, and would get into New York City. Uh, and I, I decided I wanted to work at MTV. Um, this would have been, you know, late 80s, early 90s. So I, I just started trying to get connections there, eventually got one and uh, had this woman's name and I, I would call her and send her my resume. 
like once a month, I kid you not for like a year. And, and finally she, she said, why don't you come in and, and have a job interview? I went in, she canceled right before the interview. So it was a waste, but then I came home and I, I kept trying, you know, like I was one of these guys. And to this day, I mean, even with the serious XM thing, it's like, I, I, I don't, I don't get it when people say no. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, there, I see a lot of people who have even given me advice and said, no, they told you no, they mean no. And I, to me, it's like, no, they told me no, I'm going to keep asking until I get a yes. And, and I think, honestly, that that attitude has has probably helped me more than more than anything, you know, in the music business, in the television business. So when you get that, you know, you go in, you, you probably all build up for a week or two about the interview. It's canceled the week before. Right. Did she, was it the same contact? Did she eventually yeah. give you, yeah. get you another chance in there? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. She, she turned my name over to somebody else and I, she mm -hmm. called me and she said, oh, such and such is going to call you and she's going to interview you. And that was like months after she had, you know, canceled her, her interview with me. Um, so, but, you know, it was different back in those days because you could call people, you know, yeah. and it's like nowadays you send somebody an email, they they never respond, you know, or, or and people don't. Whereas when you used to pick up the phone. I mean, sure, there was voicemail and answering machines, but a lot of a lot of times back in, in you know, the, the early 90s, people actually answered the phone. So you, you, you could get that quick minute with them, you know, mm -hmm. I, so different if different uh different times nowadays so do you remember you know when they said you're hired and the first day you you head into the office or oh the i i don't know if i remember the details of the first day what was I, the job I, why did they hire you for mtv well back in those times in in the early 90s um i i i joined mtv right as they were turning 10 i remember we were celebrating the 10 year anniversary which to me at that point was ancient you know it was like 10 years i mean i was 20 years old 21 years old uh, just turned 21 i think so 10 years to a 21 year old that's like half your life you know or almost uh so i i uh I, what was your question i i guess so. you know what were you what was your first you know, job duties at MTV. Oh, right, right. So they were 10 years into their history as, <laughs> as a channel and they had acquired a heck of a lot of videotapes. There was no digital files back then. Everything was on videotape. One inch tape, beta, um, you know, three quarter. They used to have these things called D2s, which were the, the first digital videotapes. So they had acquired literally probably you know 30 40,000 tapes because we're talking camera masters you know of, of every shoot they'd ever done with it with anybody plus it wasn't just MTV it was MTV Network so it was Nickelodeon and VH1 at that time it was three different networks so they set up a videotape library where we it was literally a library where we had all these tapes and we were entering them into a system uh, to track them. So producers and, and writers and even talent. I used to help people like John Stewart would come down and, and, and say, Hey, Mark, can you get me this tape? And, and it was, uh, 
it was it was a videotape library and we had it was in the middle of Times Square in New York City and we had all the the tapes on these big shelves that you could roll back and forth to you know to mm -hmm. space them out to and um you'd type in the computer you know Madonna interview uh you know from 1988 and then you'd hit return and you get a bunch of things that would come up and you'd be like oh here's the camera masters a b c d that's what they want here's the camera master backups and here's what they originally used those for a finished show from 1988 i mean it was really fascinating and 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 they there there's so much stuff from their first their their first uh 10 years that they, that they didn't even like they used to write stuff down in books before that, like, you know, the, the videotapes. I mean, it was amazing. So yeah, that was my entry into, into MTV. Um, and then I eventually got uh, asked because I, I became really good at figuring out where stuff was. I used to know how to, you know, put in little things that would pull stuff up in the computer. Uh, they, they asked me to, um, help out on a, a Bruce Springsteen documentary and I was able to dig some tapes out that no one else could find. So the production people really started to kind of know who I was. And over time, I, I went from the library to working in production at VH1 and MTV. And um, so during that time when you're in production and you mentioned the Bruce Springsteen documentary, is there anything that you worked on that, you know, today stands out that, you know, you like to point back at and say, you know, I, I helped with that, or I did that or. Um... Oh yeah. There was a show that I did for, for MTV that was called, it came from the eighties part two metal goes pop. It was called, and mm -hmm. it, the ratings for it were great. And it was exactly what, what it sounds like. There was a part one that was about non-metal bands. And this was about, you know, how the the guys from kicks all had day jobs in 1996 when this and we would go and you know and and we had lita ford on and ozzy came on and and george lynch and and we were tracing their careers you know five to six years after the quote-unquote downfall of of what they the popularity of of, of what they were doing so it was it was a, a great show because I had so much passion in that music back in the eighties. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to meet all these people. I got to meet Ozzy. I got to, you know, meet Lita Ford and, and go on these, these video shoots. And so, yeah, that, that was called, it came from the eighties part two metal goes pop. So there's that. And then I, I was fortunate enough to work on a ton of, documentaries for for vh1 there were it was a series called vh1 legends and yep. we we uh worked on elton john um david bowie curtis mayfield uh, a bunch of them uh bgs Mar uh, marvin gay who who he was dead at that point but all those other guys i got to meet and work mm -hmm. with them i mean when we did the david bowie um legends he was heavily involved and, and to this i remember now is that good or bad when they're heavily it, it, involved? you know what with bowie at first it was bad 
Cause he was like, we were telling him what we were going to do. And he was like, no, 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 you're not going to do that. I don't like that. We're, I don't want to no, It's too much about Ziggy Stardust. You know, you got to do more about low. And, you know, so at first he was very, he was very nervous. And then when we showed him a rough cut of, of the, what we were thinking, he was like, this is great. And he, he backed off, you know? Um, so, so that was awesome. And I, he, he would smoke like crazy. I mean, I don't know how old he, this was 96. Uh, you know, he, he was a heavy smoker, but when, when we had him with us a few times, he would just chain smoke. And uh, I ended up saving his, his cigarettes one day, everyone left the room. This is how crazy I was. Uh, crazy uh, about I got that. a little Ziploc bag and I poured all Bowie cigarettes into it. And my brother still has them. So we're convinced that we actually, to this day, have Bowie's DNA. I don't know what we can do with it, but we we we, we have we have his cigarettes. My brother has them framed on his wall at, at home. So and that's but, now that's see right there that you know we talked a little bit beforehand where I like to get these stories. That yeah. right there, I will be telling people that story. Yeah, like, listen, there's this guy. Mark, Mark Striegel may have D Bowie's DNA. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Okay, so he was wearing a blue dress." Um, right. but, but, uh, um, so, uh, you do the, and I remember the legends ones, you know, I remember watching the Curtis Mayfield one and everything. Yeah. Um, there was a so, Led Zeppelin one, which was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, those, they were really well done. I didn't work on all of them. I worked mm -hmm. on a lot of them though. So where does, um, so you're with MTV VH1, where does the next turn go in your career? I got this weird offer there, there, uh, Rosie O'Donnell worked on, um, it was VH1. She had a comedy show. I forget what it was called. I don't know. Stand up spotlight. I think it was called on VH1. So anyways, some of the producers there knew her and, uh, she left. And I mean, she was, she was Ellen before Ellen was Ellen. Mm -hmm. She had a massive talk show, uh, out of Rockefeller Plaza in, in New York City. And so one of the VH1 producers who went there, she called me one day and she said, how would you like to come work on the Rosie O'Donnell show? And I'm like this rocker kid. It's like, I, I wasn't really that interested. And then they said, here's what it pays. And I was like, okay. So yes. I, I I went and I, I worked with her for a year. Uh, and that, that would have been like late nineties. That was a, a grueling experience because I was still playing in bands. I was playing at CBGB's. I was playing at the Continental. I was playing New York clubs um, in kind of a, a, you know, Rush meets Soundgarden style band. You know, we were, but, um, and then I had a 7 a.m. call time at Rosie. So I would be out and it was, it was a rough gig. And uh, I, I eventually burn out. It was the one time I, I, I cause I was just burning the candle at all ends and ended up in the hospital. And, uh, that, that was kind of where I was like, I, this isn't working out. And, you know, she, um, I went in, I told, I told her I was, I had signed a contract for a year and I was like at 10 months or something. Nah, I was probably at like nine months and I was like, uh, I, I need to quit. And they wouldn't let me quit. She was like, I remember they, she was like, no, no. You, you, Cause I was doing this thing with her. It was called Barbie theater. She had her 
her own Barbie doll. And I had developed this stop frame animation thing that she would voice and then roll into her show. So it was kind of like a high profile piece in her show. So they wouldn't let me quit. So I was, I was stuck and she started giving me gifts and stuff, trying to get me to stay. Now is this Rosie herself? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then eventually I, I said to her manager, I, it was, I was, I was, I was at 11 months of the 12 month contract and they, they let me quit. And I remember she came to me and she's, she said, all right, you can go. Uh, we're going to let you out of your contract. And I was like, okay. She was like, have fun being a rock star. She said, good luck. Good luck trying to be a rock star or something like yeah. that. I don't know, but she was nice to me. She mm -hmm. was nice. Yeah. yeah. She's, so she's, what's, uh, uh, what's, what's tell us, uh, you know, something that most people don't know about her, you know, something, you know, well, at that time, most people didn't know she was a lesbian, you know, ah. but, but no, that, that was top secret info really? information that, that we, that we all knew on the show yeah. at that time. But I like, I, like, I remember watching, you know, League of Their Own, which is a great movie. Um, and I was probably 13 when that came out. Right. I'm, you knew. I, yeah. I'm like, you know, like, yeah, she's pitching pretty, you know, she's, you know, right. We got some, yeah, well, that's like calm. Halford. Everyone was like, Oh yeah. my God, Rob Halford came out of the closet. I can't believe the guy yeah. from Judas priest is gay. It's like, we knew, I knew Rob Halford was gay before I even knew what gay was because everyone <laughs> at my high school was like, he's gay, you know? So I, I, but yeah, it's probably a similar yeah. thing with, with, with Rosie, but. um, So, so, you know, you have this, it's kind of like, you know, you, it's one of those things where you work, you know, to get, you know, to this point and, you know, you're in production, you get to this high profile job that pays really well and then you get it and it's not quite, you know, obviously not working out. You find yourself in the hospital. Right. Um, you know, so now you're kind of definitely at a crossroads, right? I mean, where, you know, yeah, where I, what I ended up doing is I, I, I went to, uh, I went back to VH1. I was like a freelance, um, writer producer. I did a lot of work for VH1. I got to work on a show called the 100 most metal moments, which mm -hmm. was a big countdown show. I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. Yeah. That, which was a great show. It was a five hour show. And we counted down the 100 greatest moments of metal number one included brad gillis actually he it was the hearing aid project stars okay. ronnie, ronnie james dio's uh you know we are the world yep. metal style which included brad gillis on guitar among a lot of other great players so that was our number one and uh the the coolest thing happened during the production of that i mean i'm skipping over little things in, in my career but they we got to the point in this five hour show where there were a lot of holes in it, you know, and, and they said to me, how would you like to go in front of the camera? Because here I was the guy writing and, and producing the stuff. And I, I was like, oh, OK, they, we need you to fill in a little bit of the story here and there. So I did that. And, and that show blew up. That was a big deal. And Metal Sludge at the time. um was like wrote an article on me and they were like who the heck is this guy why what gives him the right to be a talking <laughs> head on on vh1 and i i will say and i i you know that 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 criticism that i got from them and i since i'm cool with them and i i, I like stevie and all, all those guys well it's just the one guy now but um 
uh, that that was like you know what maybe they're right i don't well, who i'm not like you know i'm not like a guy on fm radio i'm not i'm not so i started a podcast because i just heard about podcasting it was a now what year now now what year would this be? this would be like 2004 okay yeah and for uh, and so before I, we get into the podcast for those that yeah. don't know when metal sludge came out it was a pretty big site um it was I don't, yeah it was it was massive and no one knew who it was you know behind you know they used all fake names and identities and it was a kind of a what a, a parody of metal edge um yes and uh but it you know it was kind of like a uh national choir maybe of the rock world they would maybe sometimes you know talk about stuff that wouldn't necessarily you know your mainstream media wouldn't so uh for those like i said that you know are younger and maybe just know metal sludge of how it is today it was kind of totally different back then now it's just kind of like a news you know uh website to where back then it was breaking news and behind the scenes and they would do like 20 questions where they would ask right. them the questions that no one else would ask them. And, but yeah. I just wanted to, you know, highlight a little bit what metal sludge was. So, Absolutely. Uh, so you're in the infancy of podcasting. So you hear about it. Um, yeah. I heard Steve jobs talk about it in like one of his, his, uh, you know, speeches, you know, where he comes mm -hmm. out in the turtleneck and he, he said, podcasting, it's going to be a subscription based thing that, you plug your iPod into the computer and the podcast will transfer from the computer over to your iPod and you can listen to them. And I was like, wow, that sounds like, like a radio show that anyone could do. So, um, m my friend, John, John Ostrowski, AKA astronomy, who is now Ace Frehley's, you know, right-hand man. He, he was very tech savvy. And he had been one of my best friends for a while. So I said, we should do a podcast. You know, we're, we're such big fans of this stuff. And he was like, podcast, what's that? Anyways, he, he looked into it and he, um, this is before you could get a company to give you, you know, your own RSS feed. He wrote the code from scratch, you know, um, and we were one of the first music podcasts on iTunes in in 2005 i think it was and um there were only a, a handful i mean there was like one other that was called the rock and roll geek show hosted by michael Buck. he's still doing it to this day as far as i know and yeah so so we had the advantage of being you know one of the first ones to the party and we were completely independent and we started blowing up and within months we had, you know, this is 2005, but we had like Striper coming on the podcast. We had Engve Malmstein. We had what to us were pretty big name guests all, you know, because suddenly the word podcasting was out in the, in, in the press. And I think publicists were like, well, this is a great opportunity for us to promote our artists. And, and so we were very fortunate, you know, in the early days to just get some really great big name artists. And I mean, within, within two years, we had Ozzy Osbourne on our, our measly little homegrown podcast, you know, uh, and 
so it, it it and everyone in between george lynch you know janie lane all, all these all these guys were were on the podcast um you know vinnie paul of of pantera so so it was you know we were doing anything from like glam metal hard rock to you know death metal so so we really we really kind of blew up and the talking metal podcast got bigger and bigger and i had all my tv connections and at some point i i was out talking to some of them uh and and said yeah we should do a tv show version of of our podcast and one of my friends michelle mahoney and and there was a woman jen demi they they were at this this TV network at the time called Fuse, which was owned by the Dolan family, the same people who own the Knicks and you know Radio City, big New York rich family, you know. Um, and anyways, they they greenlit a TV show, so we started doing the Talking Metal on Fuse TV show, where it was basically a, a TV show version of our our podcast with a lot bigger budget you know we got to we we got to ride it with around in a car through through manhattan with nikki six we got to fly out to la and and hang with don dockin as he was mixing his new album uh we we you know met up with mike Patton of faith no more at a toy store on on melrose we went to glenn danzig's house we we hung out with with Carrie King of Slayer, who was a, a snake breeder, and he was showing us all <laughs> all his snakes. We went bowling with with the Hell Yeah guys, Vinnie Paul. Uh, yeah, so it was it was uh, oh, and we we hung out at the Rainbow with Slash. That was one of the big ones. That was great. So yeah, it was a, it was a it was a short lived TV show. But um, you know, it, it did well for Fuse. However, they they then shifted and they were gonna go a different direction. They wanted to go more hip hop, and and we uh, we fell by the wayside after the president who who had brought us in he left. And um, but it gave the the podcast, which we were still doing, a tremendous boost. And I, I continued to do that podcast for uh, you know years and years, like another. 15 years or something, maybe 14 mm -hmm. years. And when I signed with, with Sirius XM, uh, I just decided it was going to be too much to continue, try to do the podcast and be doing shows on, on Sirius. So yeah. that was finally, uh, I think uh, I retired think, or put into hiatus at least. I think I remember, you know, and I'm not a big TV guy. Like I watch sports, but you know, to have TV on, you know, so me not knowing, you know, certain shows and stuff, you know, unless you were on, you know, 1986, you know, right after Growing Pains, I probably don't right. know. Right, but right. I remember one night flipping through the stations and I remember, you know, Fuse, it was a new channel. I didn't know it. And they were talking music I like. And I'm like, oh, this must be a new station. Now I'd go to it. And 90 percent of the time, there it'd be something like I don't know what this stuff is. Right, but right. I would occasionally catch them. That was probably that show, uh, you know, your show there. Um, but uh, um, so before we get into serious, um, I think I read somewhere, you know, and 
there's a lot of fans of this. So if I don't mention it and they knew of it, they would probably hunt me down. Uh, did you work on something with Battle Battlestar Galactica? I'm sorry, Josh. My my kid was yelling. Could you say that last part again? Did you work on something with Battlestar Galactica? Oh yeah, yeah. So I I, I at you know while while I was doing all that podcasting stuff that I just mentioned, I had day jobs, in, including I was a senior writer producer at the Sci Fi Channel for um. Oh, I don't know. Let's see, two thousand like two thousand two to. 2011 I, I was the a senior writer producer at the sci-fi channel and that was a great job i i got to go out to comic-con in san diego and and hang with ron moore the guy who was doing battlestar galactica i got to cut promos for that show shooting with the cast as well as a lot of other shows that were on that network uh you know like um eureka and and farscape and all sorts yeah there that, that was a that was a great job uh working at the the sci-fi channel for like eight or nine years so that was my day job because the talking metal podcasting thing show version of it but yeah i, I was never i the 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 podcast was always basically a uh, a hobby that occasionally had some some income or or free tickets or something you yeah. know some fringe yeah. benefits if you will but that in no way it was ever paying my bills yeah so yeah i always had day jobs in the tv industry well, i just know a, if, a good a good haul at, at at sci-fi if i didn't bring that up you know someone would uh they would you know like i said grab me and go why didn't you uh mention battlestar galactica um Right. Yeah. So we're so, one of the greatest shows of the past. <laughs> so where decades. does uh, Sirius XM? You, you said, you know, they kind of came into the picture, you know, how and when did that happen? Uh, I it's, it's another one of those things. I just always wanted to work there. I was a tremendous fan of of uh, SXM ever since Howard, who I've been listening to since he was on WYSP in Philadelphia back in the late 80s. Uh, you know, when he went, when he went to, to satellite, I, I followed, I was one of those fans. Uh, I, I went for Howard, but was excited by all the music channels I got when I subscribed to Sirius XM in whatever year that must've been that Howard went there, what, 2004, maybe. And so from that point on, I, I, I was, I was just a fan of, of, all these different music channels they had. I would listen to Howard in the morning and then, you know, in, in the evening and afternoon, if I, I would, I would, I used to have the little portable SXM thing. I remember I'd bring it to work sometimes and be listening at my desk. So I was just a, a big fan of Sirius XM. And at some point I was like, huh, I should work there, you know? And I, <laughs> I, I knew, I knew people who were there. I don't want to mention any other names, but I started dropping hints with them and, and eventually one of them, after I asked him like a dozen times was like, yeah, you'd, you'd be good here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell my, my supervisor about you. And from that point, it was another two or three years of me, you know, pinging the supervisor and, and, and uh, just reminding them who I, I was without 
hopefully being too annoying, but staying on their radar. And I auditioned a couple of times. It didn't happen. And then, you know, then they, they came back to me and they said, Hey, would, you know, a year or two after I auditioned, they said, Hey, would you like to try, try out again? And, and I was like, I was like, yeah. And I tried out and that was, you know, in, 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 I guess I tried out in late to the, the time I actually made it, it was the late 2021 and I was on air there in early 2022 and it's, it's been great ever since. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's an awesome gig and uh, I, I value it uh, tremendously. It's an incredible reach. Uh, the, the listeners are, are great. And I, I think I, truly understand who they are because i i was one of them still am and uh it, it's 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 a truly uh important thing i believe right now because it's like there there are i mean am radio is soon not even going to be in cars anymore and and fm is not what it was when when you and I were growing up, you know. So I I, I think it's a it's a truly um, great place to be and a place that that really values and, and cherishes music, much of the music that 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 we love. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. and, and what's great is, uh, you know, you can, you know, you'll hear, you know, a hit from one of these bands one of the popular bands you you'll hear the 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 hit from motley crew but then you'll go and you know they'll you'll hear one of the bands that weren't quite as popular so you you know you yeah. you even myself i'm like fuck i don't think i've ever heard that song and i'm discovering you know bands 30 years down the road and that's right. really like the whole xm thing like um you know if if you're out there saying you can't find new music well, you're just not trying because on XM, I can find new music to me. Like I said, you know, the, it might be 30 years old, right? Some yeah. band I missed in 1989. Um, or, you know, you can go on stations that play newer rock music. Sometimes I'll listen to stuff that, uh, you know, like the blend, right? You know, where you're like, you know, hey, the spinners, this is cool. Right. And then next yeah. thing you know, you're, you know, you're, you're getting, you know, uh you know something you know totally different and um so if you know you're willing to you know put the time in and listen to stuff that's a little bit out out of you know because you get to a, our age a lot of times you just want to hear you know what you're familiar with what makes you feel right. good and, yeah and and you know it is a good opportunity though for me to plug something that we just started yeah, I was going to ask you, on, uh, what, what my... shows are you on? Yeah, I so I'm on Ozzy's Boneyard, which is hard and heavy classic rock, Monday through Friday during the day. Then on, on the weekends, uh, in the mornings, I'm on Hair Nation, which is channel 39. And we're doing something really cool there. That This just started a, a couple weeks ago. It's a, it's a segment called Hair to Stay. And, you know, staying on brand with the, the Hair mm -hmm. Nation channel. It, it, it's basically referencing that many of our, our favorite Hair Nation bands, such as Night Ranger, still release great new music. And they are staying around artistically. So what, what we're doing uh, on this, this new Hair to Stay segment every Saturday and Sunday morning 
we play a brand new song by a band like Night Ranger, followed by a classic. So when I say new, something that's come out within the last year or two, we're, we're not going back any further than than that. That's why I want to talk to you about maybe playing playing this song on <laughs> I a got upcoming the line right here. here we go. Wasted time, I think, would be a great um, yeah, would be would be a great uh, tune to to jam for the people. But yeah, so so we are uh, we we are definitely. Um, exposing new music by by the classic bands that we love of course most of the stuff you're going to get are are those songs that you and i grew up with but i think it is important to to shine a little light on what these guys are up to today because so much of it is so good the um the other you know guy who does that and does a great job at turning us on to to new music by uh, you know the new extreme for example i i heard i heard the, that on eddie trunk's show that he he does on on sirius xm um he he does his his daily show on faction and then comes over to hair nation every every monday at 5 p.m eastern to to talk and to play music classics and new stuff so uh yeah so i think it's it's such a great part a uh, great thing to be a part of a platform that is is truly uh value valuing music so i feel I mean, real fortunate to me that's it's a great idea it's something um i'm not, you know honestly surprised it hasn't been done earlier um just because there's so much now obviously um you know when i think that it's like well maybe no one else besides me wants to you know hear that but uh, and then I always say, well, you know, Night Ranger and Winger and all those bands, they're not making these new albums just for me. There's people out there, obviously, right. buying yeah. this stuff. Um, and uh, and it's and I think, you know, playing the new song or playing the, you know, the the old, you know, an older song with a new song, it's enough to keep people, you know, invested. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. And it does. It's kind of like, well, what? you know if you don't follow these bands as close right it's you know you have that mystery what do they sound like now right. um and uh and a lot of these bands are putting out still putting out you know great records i mean the winger record that came out it's either this year or last year um you know, it was it was great. I was just like, you know, the first two songs I remember. Yeah, it was them, Winger Seven. It just came out this year. I mean, yeah, in, I mean, yeah, yeah. I keep thinking like, you know, hey, we're we're only like four or five months into the year. It's like, oh, I got to realize we're almost in the fall right now. But uh, you know, so it's it's cool to you know, that's a cool concept. Uh, and it's and this, and I think so many people are going to discover, rediscover some of these bands, and realize, hey. You know, some I, I talk to people, and Night Ranger for them ended in 1988. I'm like, yeah, you know, you, there's new music out there, it's good. Um, so I think it's uh, an awesome concept. When do you now has that started yet? Yes, yeah, okay. so that happens every every Saturday in the 8 a.m. Eastern hour, every Sunday in the 11 a.m. Eastern hour, which obviously is extremely early for anyone on the West Coast. However, if you have the SiriusXM app, which is free for most subscribers, you can, you know, sleep in on Saturday, just get up, turn on Hair Nation, hit that little button that says restart show that takes you mm -hmm. back 
to the beginning of, of my six hour shift on the weekend mornings uh, on that channel. And you can, uh, you know, listen to it in real time or even kind of jump, jump ahead if you want. Um, so uh, the, the app is, is key for anyone who doesn't want to have to, you know, get up super early to, to, he to hear me on Hair Nation. Now, before we jump into some Night Ranger talk, what's uh, since you started that show, I'm sh you know I'm sure you can probably name more than a handful, but just first one that pops into your mind, what's one new song that you didn't know before you started the show that you played and you're like, holy shit, that's kind of that's a knee slapper. Well, I. I mean, we we have again. We just started the show, so um, we're th this this weekend is only our our third edition of it, and we we do just one new song per per weekend. Oh, okay. So it's 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 just one new song. Like you highlight. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was multiple bands. So what what's the two bands that you focused on? One then? a week. Okay. The first the first week was Extreme. Okay. So we played a new song by them called Rise, which was awesome tune followed by a classic uh then the second week we featured new music by uh michael sweet and george lynch off their their third uh sweet and lynch album which is called heart and sacrifice and the song that we played is a just a killer song called miracle which you just have that incredible have, vocal from from Michael and George Lynch. I mean, there's nothing like his guitar playing. It's mm -hmm. he that guy hits one note. I mean, he has the technique, you know, just like Brad and. But I, George, like a lot of those '80s guys, I mean, he he just has so much personality, you know. And and that's one of the things I always loved about Night Ranger is is when I was a kid, I would. I'd be like, all right, that's Brad solo. Oh, there's Jeff Watson solo. You know the eight finger tapping, and and the, those guys had had such uh, a unique sound and distinct sound. You could always tell they're 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 soloing <laughs> apart from one another. And what always got me with Night Ranger was, um, you know, I always looked at their guitar solos almost as like its own verse or chorus. Like I could almost sing every guitar solo. Right. Or if I yeah. thought of a song, sometimes that solo is what I thought of first. And then on top of that, as much as a shredder that Jeff was and, and Brad was, they were so melodic, like the guitar solo in four in the morning that, you know, Watson plays. That's probably the most coolest melodic, you know, solo he did. Yeah. And, you know, if you threw it out there, hey, that's Jeff Watson. You know, everybody thinks the eight fingers and the shredding and it's just you know, he played for the song, you know, then. Yeah. It, so that was song. always. And th both those guys, um, not afraid to, to take risks and, and try new things. I mean, you, you saw that with, with, with Brad's playing still do to this day. I mean, and, and some of the things he would do with, with the whammy bar and stuff were just unconventional, but he, he would, he would go for it and it would work, you know? So, I mean, that, that's the sign of a, a true artist, and and I, 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 you know, I, I, I got into Night Ranger. If we want to start talking about that, yeah, I was going to ask you when did you first become aware of them? It was through Brad. You know, I, I, I was, I was into Ozzy, and, and for me, the the live album that that Brad did with with Ozzy 
was was a lot of ways my introduction to Black Sabbath. And this sounds sacrilegious to, you know, some Sabbath fans, but I, I loved that album so much and his playing on that, on, on, on things like Snowblind and, and his, the version they do of Never Say Die on there, that, that when I went back and listened to Sabbath playing those songs, I was like, no, I like the I like the ones on the Aussie. I I probably since kind of changed that, and I, re, but but to me, that what Brad and Ozzy and, and Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldrich did with those Sabbath songs on that 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 album was they made them a little bit more acceptable for a snot nosed thirteen year old kid in the nineteen eighties. Who didn't want anything to do with the 1970s you know his his uncle's music or even his parents music you know that stuff is old-fashioned you know and and i i talked to uh rich ward the guitar player in in fozzy about this you know the band with with chris mm -hmm. jericho and, and he said the same thing you know it's like that that album that brad did with 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 ozzy was just so important to us as kids and and they they took those those 70s sludgy heavy metal songs and made them acceptable to us 80s mall rats you know who who, who weren't going to go listen to at that point in our life you know volume four by black sabbath one of my all-time favorite albums at, at this point but at that time i wasn't i wasn't ready to go there i wasn't open enough to to uh listen to to that and accept it for for and and recognize the greatness that volume four had i i had to have something that sounded like 80s metal to me and that's what that 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 speak of the devil um did it it, it had a slight foot in the 70s but it took those songs and and rocked them out and made them feel like they were contemporary songs and they could stand right beside iron maiden and judas priest in in 1982 you know yeah. so I, yeah. I thought, I thought, uh, I, I, and I know that Brad entered Ozzy's band at what was an extremely difficult time. There have been some reports like in Rudy Sarzo's book, uh, that, that things weren't all that pleasant for him, uh, which is understandable. I mean, Randy Rhodes was gone. It, 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 it totally, it was just a devastating blow to to Ozzy, who had staged this massive comeback. Everyone said he couldn't couldn't do it, and he did it. And he was burying Black Sabbath. I love Heaven and Hell. I love those albums. But let's face it, Ozzy was was on top of the world. I mean, you know, Dio. You know, we celebrate the Dio era of Black Sabbath, but people forget that crumbled i mean black sabbath much like kiss at that time was kind of like oh that's the 70s band and, and, you know mm -hmm. and ozzy was able to pivot you know people were like oh yeah ozzy was so messed up in the late 70s he didn't know what was going on well he i think he knew what was going on and and, and he he tapped into it and succeeded tremendously in, in reinventing himself and having kids like me uh, just eat that stuff up. I mean, I used to have uh, Brad Gillis playing with Ozzy. There was like a TV special, which uh, they released yeah. on DVD eventually, yep. which was called The Speak of the Devil DVD. Mm -hmm. Unlike the album, that was the Diary of a Madman set. 
And I would, I had that taped on beta max. I would watch that <laughs> over and over and over again. So, so Brad Gillis, not only has given us such great music with, uh, with night Ranger, but I, I feel in the short amount of period of time that he was in Ozzy's band, he was in an extremely important, uh, part of the cast if you will at least for me personally and i know dozens of other people or probably thousands i should say thousands <laughs> of other people he, he he was he was he was a big deal and that's that's when i when i heard about oh well night ranger dawn patrol that's the guy who played with ozzy and then i heard yeah. you know i heard songs like don't tell me you love me and and the song Night Ranger, which closed the album, which I, I always loved that one because towards the end of it, it went into this kind of real faster, heavy part. You know, it was mm -hmm. like um, it's yeah, it's the it's basically the the first and second, you know, like verses, just kind of like the first and second verses would be like Black Sabbath, yeah. And then that th they do the third verse, kind of like Speak of the Devil, sped right. up a little bit. You yeah, know, that's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but but I I I I loved that that album when it came out and and uh, you know that's when I was learning to first picking up a guitar. I remember trying to play the beginning with with the the I think you used to have to scoot your fingers up from the second fret to the fourth fret and have that <laughs> open E uh, uh, on the high string. So so that that was a. Uh, a great album what was that was 80 that was 82 right yeah that, that was would have been the end of 80 uh let me think here yeah it would have been like november because we still don't know to this date what the actual release date was wow. you know there's okay. there's places out there that will throw dates out but we think it's november of 82 like i even had jack on the phone when the 40th was actually getting close and i'm like do you remember anything like I'm hoping like one now, and you probably know this. Musicians are their their own worst historians, right? Like people like, hey, ask them if they know. You know, I'm like, listen, they they don't even know what songs are on Midnight Madness, probably. Let alone, right? Yeah, know, Paul Stanley's that way with Kiss. I, yeah. One time you like said, he said like, oh, tomorrow <laughs> and tonight off of rock and roll and rock yeah. and roll over. I was like, what? So, you know, I'm trying to narrow down the 40th anniversary date. So, you know, I, I talked to Brad Kelly and, and I'm hoping like, yeah, it was released two days after my Aunt Jenny's birthday. Like, I'm hoping there's something like that. Right. right. Aunt Jenny's born on the 13th. So we know it's the 15th. And Jack goes into like whatever room he has. Right. And he's searching through shit. And he found a box of 45s <clears throat> from Young Girl in Love, which was actually the third single off that, you know, but he sends me a picture. He's like, it's like June of 83. I'm like, ah, see, that's the third single. That's down the road too far. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's sending me this picture of Boardwalk Records, you know, a cardboard box. I'm like, Jack, wow. whenever, you know, that's probably at least a $200 cardboard box you got right there. Cause I'd probably give you 200 bucks for it. But, uh, you know, but we still don't know exactly when they came out. We do know Dawn Patrol, and speak of the devil came out probably within a week of each other because brad there was um wow really yeah so there's advertisements out there where it shows like the top 10 records of hard rock and it's night rangers on there and ozzy's on there and brad's really the only person on two of those records wow okay. um but uh 
Um, so yeah, we still don't know the exact date of when that came out, but November. And Brad, he played with Ozzy all the way to like the almost end of December. You know, he played like in Europe to like the 15th of December. And then he's playing Night Ranger right after Christmas. Like, right. Wow. And um, so, you know, do you, were you getting those records? Um, you know, Dawn Patrol and Midnight Madness, were, you know, were those records that you would have in your record oh, collection yeah. or were those first two Night Rangers? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, you, I know you mentioned the Night Ranger song. Is there any other deep tracks you can think of from those two records that you, you always jump to as well? Um, well, I there was a there was a song, I think it was a couple years later. What was that song? Goodbye. Remember yes, that, that was that, off Seven Wishes. Yep. Yeah, that that was one. And then I, I, I liked the uh the secret of, of my success too. That was yep. uh that was uh that was after that it was 87. Um yeah, uh, there there was movie. another Dawn Patrol. I, I used to really like Side One a lot too, which had uh, Sing Sing Me Sing Away, Away was on that, right? Um, my favorite Night Ranger song is on that side. Call my name. Call my name. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which, but, yeah. That was a great album. Who produced that record, by the way? So was, the uh, first three records were produced by, um, and he passed away a few years ago. Pat Glasser. Okay. So Pat Glasser um produced those first three records and then big life was produced by um i always kind of mess these up kevin um elson uh who produced like journey and some of these other bands right he was actually in the uh, leonard skinner uh plane wreck he oh, was wow. their sound guy okay, um, survived obviously yes yeah. um and basically produced street survivors mm. like they had recorded it didn't quite like it so they kind of went back in with you know their sound guy kevin and he kind of redid it with them um and uh the fifth album man in motion which was their last studio record from yep. that classic 80s era was um uh kevin elson and then keith olson who pro right. uh, produced a lot of you know big records for yep. he might have done journey too i can't remember but uh um, who just passed away again a few years ago as well. But um, yeah, those were the uh, the producers from that, you know, that uh, from that '80s era. And there's always been talk of you know where um, if Night Ranger just had that one more record, right? Like where Big Life kind of stalled. If they'd had that one more record, where you know they would have probably been more in that Foreigner, right? you know echelon to where they just were one record away and kind of what you mentioned er at the very beginning of the podcast where you're talking about all these songs and jack writing and i tell people it's like you know um i always i, I guess i tell people like seven wishes and everybody talks Don patrol everybody talks midnight madness but seven wishes is the reason why night ranger is where they're at today because without the success of seven wishes you kind of had Night Ranger as a one-hit wonder, Sister Christian. You, you can still rock an American. Don't tell me you love me. Are radio, you know, you know, rock hits kind of, but they weren't hits back then. I mean, you can still rock an America. Failed. When you close your eyes, kind of like tail, you know, followed the the footsteps of uh, Sister Christian. But 
with seven wishes you had um goodbye four in the morning and sentimental street two of those were top 10 hits the other was a top 20 and um you know that's really the album that you know kind of solidified night ranger um you know place to where they're not you know kind of considered a one-hit wonder with the rock song out there um okay yeah. So did you see uh, Night Ranger back in the 80s? I, I yeah, I went to a ton of concerts back in the 80s. I, I saw them with uh Starship. Yeah. Yeah, they is that this that sounds right, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh probably would have been like fall of 85, maybe early yeah, 80s. It was it was it I used to go to see shows at the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, but I believe that one was one of a handful of shows that I saw at the Chicago pavilion is what it was called which was more kind of downtown chicago where the horizon was more out in the suburbs um but yeah yeah that, that i saw them there um then i didn't see him for a very long time and in in recent years i've i've seen him uh, a bunch of times they've played the the bergen pack center here in new jersey and i, I saw him at m3 a number of years ago and Obviously, this this summer I got to see them twice. They were awesome both times on the the party gras thing, and uh, got to go backstage both at both of those shows. One in New Jersey, one in Indiana. The one in New Jersey was really big deal for me because I was backstage and Brad uh, brought over his guitar that that you know he's played on everything. It sounds like, and he was like, "This is the guitar." I recorded speak of the devil with and showed me that it was the third floyd rose ever built which i, I was like so nervous talking to him that I, I wish i would have asked him who had the first two floyd rose i'm guessing it was floyd rose himself and eddie van halen but i don't know i want to say maybe neil sean is in there okay could be um don't ask i i might be wrong but for some reason i think neil sean is in that picture somewhere okay with the floyd roses um but uh yeah so how was that seeing bubba yeah it was awesome it was awesome (laughs) what a what a nice guy what it what a uh he was telling me stories about being at ozzy's wedding when he married sharon in in hawaii and and the the that Ozzy had a few drinks in him and said, I want a gem with a band. And and they were like, but it's a Hawaiian band. He's like, I want you guys. So they were trying to play these, like this, these instruments that belong to the Hawaiian band. And Ozzy was like, let's do paranoid. (laughs) (laughs) Like there with the, with the borrowing these instruments from this Hawaiian band to play paranoid at Ozzy and Sharon's wedding. And he he shared another story where he, he talked about, I think it was his first gig with, with Ozzy where he he messed up Revelation's Mother Earth. He he came into early or something. And after the the gig, he said Sharon came up to him and said, uh, Bradley, you did you did very well, but just don't fuck it up next time. <laughs> don't fuck up the the Revelation's Mother Earth next time. So and it's always cool hearing him do like, you know, like the you know, the accents and stuff. Yeah. Because it's different like when we do it talking to each other but like you know like he's doing it but he was there right yeah. like oh, you know yeah. i love like when he when he tells those stories and uh um and you know and i see it a lot on um you know the socials and stuff where 
you know, people are like, I haven't seen Night Ranger since 1984. And I just saw him last week. You know, it's like so, you know, awesome. And like they've rediscovered them. Right. Right. And, um, and I, I tell, you know, and that's, you know, that, that is why Night Ranger is still playing at where there's other bands from that era that maybe were more popular or had more hits. They're not quite doing the same business as Night Ranger. Right. Because, you know, Night Rangers, and I think that I've always said it, I think that's why sometimes it, it hurts them getting on other like big tours because who the hell wants to follow them? Right. Right. Now, Brett Michaels, a fact to follow. he's got, he's got that where he can, right. You know, he's a great performer. And, um, but I always said, yeah, that's, I think, you know, who the hell wants to follow night Ranger every right. fucking night. Right. Uh, yeah. so, uh, what'd you think of the, uh, party gras tour? Excellent. I, I, I thought, I thought it was so well done. Night Ranger obviously was, was incredible. Um, but all everyone, everyone involved with it. It, it. It's the the no filler thing that Brett kept talking about. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, we got damn Yankees songs, you know, during the Night Ranger set, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we we got, you know, Jefferson Starship playing stuff from Jefferson Airplane, Starship, right. and Jefferson Starship. You know, <laughs> not to mention Mark McGrath and and yeah, just the the uh, the guy who was in Journey for a yeah, bit. Steve and Jerry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing was 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 great, and uh, I'm looking forward to Party Gras 2024. I, I don't know yeah. if Night Ranger will be back. I'm well guessing you'll probably get a new lineup, but who knows? Well, they, they, he's he's still doing them right throughout the fall. Um, different bands on the tour. I think there's one that maybe has D. Snyder. Oh, okay. And I know Lou I Grant Warren was on one of them. Yeah. And Lou Graham's on a few, and they announced yeah, okay. one in December um, with Night Ranger. So okay. uh, uh, in Florida, um, right. first part of you know. So there's that show. So you know he's a he's got more shows out there. So I don't, but I think probably like the Party Gras 2024 will be, you know, maybe like kind of like what this one was like a set number of dates with a set number of bands and not right. kind of like this one he's putting together kind of like that they've added in the fall <laughs> but yeah jefferson star there's so many people it reminded me of a the festivals in the 70s always heard of right where it'd be like yeah i saw aerosmith and rory gallagher was on the bill with the outlaws yeah. you know like all these you know different type bands and so many people i'd hear you know well i don't want to go because i'm not a poison fan or jefferson starship i'm like listen I'll, you know you don't have to you can be a casual fan yeah. and, and and you you will still love what what happened at party gras and i guess it's continuing to happen but yes what's what's great about the you know the party gras it just you know it covered the late 60s the 70s the 80s poison into the 90s um so uh mark uh Give us a rundown again, you know, where we can find you on XM and like what socials you got out there, websites. Right. Uh, so I'm on Ozzy's Boneyard, which is Sirius XM channel 38, Monday through Friday. It's during the day. I, I come on at at uh, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, 12 noon, generally on the, the East Coast. 
And then on the weekends, I'm on Hair Nation um, 39. That's where we do our Hair to Stay segment every Saturday and Sunday morning. And that that's that's early, 6 a.m. Eastern, and I go until 12 noon. Again, you can always, if you have that app, restart the show and, and listen at your own convenience whenever you want for the most part. Uh, and then you'll find me occasionally on, on Turbo, which is a, a great channel for like new metal, extreme hard rock from the from the 90s and 2000s that's channel 41 so yeah great it's a really honor and privilege to be a part of the sxm family i, I do not take it for granted mm -hmm. uh you can find me also if you don't mind i'll plug the yes. socials x or twitter or whatever they call it now it's just my name at striegel s-t-r-i-g-l and then i'm on instagram at sxm mark striegel all right now i'll put these in the uh and the bio of the youtube page so you'll be able to oh cool you know, if you just want to go click you know guys go to the you know the description and um you'll see them down there so you can just click them and follow yeah, markstriegel.net too markstriegel.net is my my website it's kind of uh it has links if you go there you'll find links to everything i got okay. going on all right well mark uh appreciate you um joining us and uh well, I, I listen, I when I when I came on here, I was like, oh, you know, I'll talk for 20 minutes and then it'll probably be over. But there's nothing like talking about yourself for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, th those are yeah. those are the great stories, man. You know, the, oh, thanks. You know, I mean, just the I mean, think if uh, you hadn't where your life would be if you hadn't pursued that uh, that, you know, your contact at MTV, right? right if you had not just kept pushing and never got in that door, just that simple little act, yeah. where would you be now? I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah. But uh, it's just, that, that's what's so cool. And the fact that you got some uh, David Bowie's DNA. What about yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you well, know, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to, hey, the FBI may be yeah. listening. <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, you'll get the, uh, some knocks on the door and, you know, where they're, uh, you know, trying to recreate uh, some of these rock stars or something. But uh, right, thank right. you for uh, joining. And uh, like I said, thanks for keeping the uh, that music, that uh, hard rock music that we all love, helping keep that, uh, you know, that stuff alive, man. So uh, I appreciate you joining us, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, let me talk about myself. Uh, there's nothing else I'd rather talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, th thank you, brother. Hopefully we get to do it again soon.